Hey, this is Dan, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast where I talk legal stuff with lawyers that I know, like, and trust. I hope you find the information really useful, and if you need legal help, that you reach out to one of these lawyers directly or drop by lawbydan.com, and I can steer you in the right direction. Here is your podcast. It might come as a surprise that one of the most searched legal questions on Google and other search engines is, what is probate? Well, today we're going to find out not only what it is, but also about the application process in New South Wales. And I'm joined once again by Charlotte O'Connor, a senior lawyer at Coots. Charlotte, at the outset, how does probate work in New South Wales? Well, firstly, thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be able to um, spread education to the community. Um, I think access to the legal system is so important. And you're, you're very right. Um, that is a very high search term on Google. What is probate? It sounds very fancy. And of course, it somewhat is, as it does go through the Supreme Court of New South Wales. But how does it work? Well, essentially, there's a, a pre- prescribed process, you could put it that way, um, whereby you go through the Supreme Court to prove that the original will is the original last will of the person who's passed. And the reason for doing it is to allow for assets, I suppose, of high value, um, but as well as assets that are owned solely in people's names, um, they may require probate. But how does it work? It goes through a court process um, to prove the will. It's all on the papers, so no one has to necessarily go to court unless there's fighting, um, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. So, Charlotte, how long does the process actually take? Well, as we say, there is there is um, that, that process through the court, so there's a few steps that we go through, and that includes, in the first instance, you might remember... Um, In the newspaper, there used to be a notice that was put in there. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners might too remember that. Much like the birthdays, also there were the notices of people passing. But now many days have gone by and that's all electronic. So that's the first step um, is notifying the creditors that somebody has passed away. And it's it's called a Notice of Intended Application for Probate. And that stays online for at least 14 days. And once that 14 days is lapsed and everybody has um, provided particulars of the asset worth, then we're able to technically apply for probate. Obviously, before you can do that, you need to understand the asset values as that date of someone's passing in order to disclose that to the court in an affidavit of executor. And of course, our executors are empowered at law to do this job and the will gives some of that background of the law to empower them. But they often get um, lawyers like myself to do this for them because of the court work behind it. So that, as you can hear, there's already 14 days there, then waiting for our asset holders to reply and following them up. As you'd imagine, some of the big banks, they have big deceased estates teams and there's people tinkering away in the background to provide us responses as soon as they can. Once it's all prepared and we've had the client come in to sign, then we file that application with the court. So we send that to the Supreme Court in Sydney for them to file it. And the registrar sits there and they go through every person's application that's put through. As you can imagine, with birth, 
there's lots of people in our community that pass too and um, there's a high volume. So at the moment, once a application is filed, it's taking the Supreme Court of New South Wales around nine weeks to reply. Um, but at the outset of our matters at Coots, we like to give our clients this good trajectory of what that looks like and give them updates as we go along. Because once we get that, it's of course looking at finalising those assets, calling them in, liquidating sale of assets such as real estate and shares or to be able to do a final distribution statement and provide that um, efficiency to a client so that they can focus on the good times really. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't distribute an estate until after six months of someone's passing. Um, but most of our estates here, if they've got a few assets in the background, if there's a few bits and pieces happening, they'll often take between six and 12 months to finalise. And Shell, how long after probate can these funds be distributed? Uh, so usually, as, as you hear, we, we finalise all of the funds. So if there's, for example, somebody has a lot of money in the bank, we need to call that in. If they have an, a house that's being sold, that needs to, of course, wait on that sale process, particularly in today's climate with the fluctuation of real estate. Um, it's really about the timing of how quickly the sale occurs um, and then also um, sale of shares and things like that, quite immediate once you put that through. Um, but really, we, we wait until after the six months of passing. And also, you can do an optional, optional notice of intended distribution, which I suppose protects the executor's liability from any future creditors that may be out in the winds that they weren't aware of. So it's around six months after date of passing. If everything's nice and tidy in a row, that we can finalise an estate. And what about personal possessions? Can can they actually be distributed before probate? Um, interesting question. Yes, most of the time. But um, where people are having a bit of bickering in the background or um, things like that, you might want to hold off. In general, most of the families that I've assisted, um, they're okay to, of, of course, go through their their beloved person's um, belongings when they feel ready. Everyone grieves differently. So uh, I don't know about you, but for me, I probably it would be feeling a bit fresh if I'd be mm. going to someone's home that I loved straight away. Um, but for example, husband and wife, if something happened to one of them and the will says that they are the sole beneficiary, there's no one else in the world, no former spouses, no one we think is going to come out of the woodworks, of course. You can hold on to those sentimental things and, and give them out, I suppose, if you wish. But then there's those circumstances where there's questions around the validity of the will or if there is someone else out in in the woodworks um, and then you'd be advising them not to distribute until um, after you've got a grant of probate if there was questions of the will's validity. Now, I'm assuming that this is probably a common question that people ask you, but is there any way you can speed up probate? I do hear this a lot, to be honest. And my answer to this question, the short answer is, do a good will, a valid will that you know is going to work. Um, a lot of people look at doing the route of, I don't need a will, why do I bother? The law can decide for me or um, they try and do it themselves and 
rightly so, people can, but it's understanding the intricacies of a single word and how that, that, can, that can make such a difference. So my hot tip is to speed up a probate process is to have a valid, um, steadfast will in place that achieves your wishes um, and that your executor knows that they have the job so that that ball can start rolling too. Now, often one of the uh, you know the big sort of items, assets, I suppose, is the house. Uh, how long after probate can the house actually be sold? Um, well, true, one of the high asset values. So thinking back to the start, um, why do we have probate? How does it work? That home is one of our greatest assets for many of us. Um, and essentially, it is a rise for the need of a grant of probate where you own it solely in your name or as tenants in common with someone or some others, perhaps 50-50, 60-40. So they're the times that a home being sold will require probate. And how long after we get it? Well, as quickly as um, things can get moving. So in order to sell that property, of course, it involves a conveyancing transaction. But before it can even go to that conveyancer to do that sale, it needs to go through what's called a transmission application to executor sounds a bit flash, but at the end of the day, it's a transfer. It changes that item of real estate, that title deed, into the name of the executor to do a job. There's no stamp duty on that transfer. It's merely so that that executor can sign a contract for sale. So as soon as that transfer can be prepared and all the verification of identity in the background can be produced and that transfer is completed with land registry services, then, of course, that contract for sale can really come into play. Um, many of my clients will, in the background, um, engage a conveyancer here at Coots um, to start that ball, ball rolling even before we've done that transfer so that it's all ready prepared, um, but it can be as, as quick as we can get it done. As soon as you have that grant, you can attend to a sale um, if that's what the beneficiaries have all decided they'd like to occur. Otherwise, some of my families, they are still thinking about, well, do we want to think how this property market's going to play out? Are we going to put it on hold for a minute and sell it a little bit later? Are we going to transfer it to ourselves as a beneficiary and keep this property in our family, um, perhaps as an investment or as sentiment? And then it's about getting um, financial advice about that too from your planner or advisor to make sure that you're making the best move for your life. But in sum, how long after? As quickly as you can, um, as long as you know that that's the plan and that it's all going to flow well for your life um, when you're here. Charlotte, you mentioned a moment ago that uh, a a will, a, you know, well constructed will, can actually speed up probate. I'm assuming that uh, when we talk about delays in granting probate, that that you know the will being defective uh, could be one reason. Uh, is there other reasons that sort of delay the grant of probate? Yes, so exactly right. That in my mind, such a big thing for me is is a well drafted will, um, so that it can speed it up. And you're right. It can slow it down if, if there's things that are missing or that wording isn't there to allow the whole of somebody's belongings to be disposed of. So a little example for you all is um, somebody gave me a will that had given their bank account proceeds, their home, their personal items um, to XYZ. However, 
they didn't provide for the rest and residue. And they and their family said, but that is everything they own. And and truthfully it is, but the wording wasn't there to dispose of the everything. Um, so that's a, a, a rise of partial intestacy. Partial intestacy is passing away without providing your all of your assets to be disposed of. And just a little side point, intestacy is when you pass away without a will. So if you put those together. But another delay, I suppose, could be not getting all the ducks in a row um, in a sufficient process, um, efficient process. Uh, sometimes there's delay because the death certificate um, is pending a decision from the coroner to determine cause of passing. Um, some families will want to go through that to determine that nothing, there was no foul play there, there was no negligence by anyone. So that can cause a delay. Um, what else? There's a few things that can. Of course, posting things to the right place is a good idea. Um, but also having all of your executors in agreement um, can cause difficulties too. We have people all over the place and people not agreeing. Um, but yeah, there are a few examples, but there is there is many, I suppose. Now, when we think of courts and, and uh, anything legal, we, we always think of documents. So what sort of documents mm. do people need to be sort of, uh, you know, submitting with for probate? All right. Well, the first most important one for that that process to go well and, and a speedy, efficient process is the original will. It is golden to make sure that it is a nice, simple process for your loved ones if something happens to you. So ensuring that that will is somewhere safe, whether that's the law firm safe, you've got your own, you've got a safe deposit box at the bank, that, that original will is key for a standard probate application. But what else? Of course, I mentioned a bit earlier an affidavit of executor. What that details to the court is who the executor or executors are, um, who the person who passed away is, evidence of their passing in being a death certificate, evidence of who the beneficiaries are as in the will, and of course, an inventory of property. That inventory of property details everything the person owned solely in their name, whether that be in New South Wales, a different state overseas, as well as assets owned jointly with another person and, and tenants in common. So the things that the court um, use to determine the estimated value or the true value of the estate are those assets that are owned solely in New South Wales in the person's name, as well as that value of any real estate as tenants in common, their share. Um, but yes, so that affidavit of executor, as well as the summons, which is like a, I, I could explain it as a index for the court, a brief summary of who it is, who we are, who represents the executor and who the deceased is as well as the gross and net value of the estate. You prepare a draft grant of probate for the court, and that's the document that gets returned with the court's beautiful seal on it. It's a nice red sort of seal. Um, and 
as well as the a few copies of those documents as well for the court's record. So a summons, a grant, an affidavit of executor with the inventory of property, the death certificate as well as the original will would go into a standard probate application. Shella, when we think of, you know, all the assets that uh, a deceased may leave, you know, that there may well be, you know, money in bank. Um, what happens if somebody actually withdraws money from a deceased person's account? You know, what happens to that? This is something in when I draft wills for people and estate planning in general, I've started speaking a little bit more about in my appointments to um, give that education in what happens after the fact. Um, a lot of the time people will draft a will and, and see a lawyer and, and will go through how it works, but I go a bit more in depth about it and I touch on things like this. A power of attorney is for financial decision-making in someone's lifetime and that document ceases when that person is no longer with us. That power then moves to the executor and the, the accounts get frozen when someone passes away if the accounts are solely held a bank account. Often I've come across people who will access the deceased's account using a power of attorney after their passing, not realising that they've done the wrong thing, um, and they shouldn't do that. Where it's between if a, a husband and wife, if one of them had passed and there's a joint account, it's joint. So it's the survivors to use that money. It doesn't get frozen. It flows through. But if it was solely in the wife's name and everything went to the husband and there's no contention there, no, they shouldn't access that solely held bank account. But it can be, I suppose, remedied. However, when there's uh, three children that are receiving an inheritance in thirds and one of them is the executor who also was the power of attorney, that person, if they've withdrawn money from that account, they need to remedy that immediately because it's not allowed. You shouldn't be touching that money for anything other than going to the bank and asking the bank to perhaps pay for a funeral fee from the deceased bank account. Um, this can cause a massive problem and conflict in families. So I always say to clients, please, if something happens to someone, get advice at that time don't access the deceased person's account um, until it's until you've got a grant of probate and going if you need money earlier to pay for that funeral, going into the branch and have the branch pay for that funeral cost for you. Um, the way of remedying it would be paying the money back, of course, if someone's um, withdrawn so that they can try and um, fix that problem and, and being honest and open with the family. Charlotte, for all questions relating to probate, people can reach out to you at Coots? Of course, of course. Um, I'd be more than happy to assist, whether that be with estate planning or um, helping administer an estate with an executor um, or queries in general, I'm happy to help. Um, we have a team here, myself, Keisha, we're in our Norellan office. We also have Tian in Campbelltown. We have Angela in Tamil, um, a myriad of people that are all over dotted southwest Sydney as well as Wollongong, and we'd all be more than happy to assist you. Charlotte, thanks for joining me. 
That's okay. Thank you for having me. I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find me on all social channels, including Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube with the handle Law by Dan, or simply drop by lawbydan.com. Thanks.